In the Trenches with Ryan Roxy. Hello, 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 hello. Ryan Roxy here and welcome to another live stream episode of In the Trenches. Well, hey, we are live and uh, you guys are coming at us today uh, via the YouTube channel or Facebook Live, but uh, YouTube official, Ryan Roxy, that's where we like to see you. You're in the chat. And of course, if you're listening to this on one of the uh, audio broadcasts, whether it's Apple or Spotify or Stitcher or your sort of podcast platform of choice, make it on over here to the uh, uh, Ryan Roxy official YouTube channel and hit that subscribe button if this is your first time, because guess what? You can be in the chat and um, you could be part of the show. Interactive. That's the way we do it in the trenches. Because you know what we do it in the trenches. Uh, we dive deep in to find out into the artist's head that we get on, uh, find out what drives them, um, what gives them creative, sort of their mojo. And uh, today, well, guitar player. You know how I feel about guitar players when I have them on the show. Uh, my favorite guys to have on. And we are building sort of this uh, coalition, I would say. Um, you know, kind of like drummers have done it for years and years. Now, within the trenches, guitar players are all finding this sort of cool hang over here. And uh, today, our guest is, uh, well, he's written and recorded some of my favorite iconic riffs. And he's helped his band that he formed uh, end up in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. How about that? Another Hall of Famer, that's right. Would you welcome to In the Trenches, Mr. Roger Fisher. Hello, Roger. Good morning. How are you good doing, morning. man? I'm doing good. <laughs> you can it appears as though we are doing this live. You're in Maui, and I'm really already freezing in Stockholm, Sweden. So, you know. I wish. I wish. So I'm in Seattle, Washington area, and it's raining cats and dogs outside. I've been out for a walk with my dog all already this morning and uh i've got a green screen so anything <laughs> over here. well folks welcome to in the trenches uh welcome to getting everybody on uh the chat getting everybody uh lined up there we have as our guest uh founding member of heart and a ton of his own projects uh since then this is mr roger fisher and um well We'll just start right off the bat because I love doing the research on these uh, types of shows. And um, if I, it turns out that you come from a band with brothers and sisters, a set of brothers and a set of sisters. Do you think there's any other rock bands out there that uh, have that sort of formation? There is. Well, we thought about that and kind of looked at it and we couldn't think of any scenario like ours. And well, that's the thing. There's a lot of sibling bands, right? You can think of the, of the obvious ones. Van Halen, for instance. Uh, ACDC. Uh, Oasis. Hanson. Huh? How about Hanson? Right, yeah. but, but there is another band that has two sets of brothers and two sets of sisters, and they are called the Magic Numbers. Oh, wow. How about Where that? are they from? They are from London. Ah. Yeah, they, they, they definitely have some stuff, but they, they're a little bit newer. You know, they didn't start out when you guys started out and you formed Heart uh, partly with your brother and the, and the uh, Wilson sisters, of course. Um, but you started it back in 63 because we do this segment calling you got to go back to get forward. And that's what I like to dive in a little bit just to find some history out because the band, I mean, we could go a little bit before that because you say you're coming from Seattle right now. 
is that I know the band is up from the sort of northwest territory. Did you grow up in the Seattle area or where did you grow up? Yeah, our family uh, <clears throat> homesteaded here in the early 1900s. So we had a big chunk of property in North Seattle. With uh, They had a dairy there and our grandfather had a whole bunch of uh, cattle. And so, yeah, we're an institution in this place. <laughs> so wait a second. I've been, uh, what, what's the show that's on? Um, I've been watching it lately with uh, Kevin, what's his name? Um, it's, it's. What's it? You know, am I going to mix it? Vic, could you have a picture? Can you help me out with that? Um, Nikki Six turned me on to this show, and I've, apparently I'm just dropping names. But you're like a you're like an actual rancher. You're kind of a, a bit of a cowboy. Not me. No, that was my <laughs> grandfather. Oh, grandfather, <laughs> grandfather. Okay, I thought you were just going on. To be <laughs> well, what yeah. what drove you to pick up the guitar? Okay, this is a good story. So. <clears throat> I'm, uh, I guess, 14 years old and hanging around with the wrong bunch. So on a typical night, we would go out <clears throat> and break into houses and steal so liquor. You, you weren't a farmer. You were just a common thief. Okay. I was a thief. I was right. a thief. Good to now, put that on the record. Short window of time here. I, I lost my mind for a while, hanging around with these guys. And so we're breaking into houses. And of course we got busted. And the guy, uh, the, the judge, I had to go stand before the judge with my mom. I was so humiliated. Uh, the judge said, so what did you take, son? And I said, well, all I ever took was an eight ball off a pool table. And he said, well, it's pretty clear. You were just hanging around with the wrong bunch you're free to go. So then on the way home, mom is saying, so uh, what can we do? What can you do with your time so that you're not doing stupid stuff like this? And I said, well, uh, I've been hanging around with my friend who has a guitar, a little silver tone amp and a harmony guitar. Could we rent me something like that? So she did. And my God, my world just exploded and just it was eight hours a day playing that darn guitar. And back in those days, uh, the radio uh, playlist was per hour. So I would hear a song like Mitch Ryder and the Detroit Wheels. I wanted to learn that. You know, that kind of stuff. Right. So every hour I would get a little bit more of that guitar part. And <laughs> that's the way I learned how to play. So basically committing a felony inspired you and led us on to these iconic riffs that I love. I mean, but not accused. You know, what do they say? Um, you're not accused allegedly committing a uh, felony. But why, right. why, why does like, if you know, maybe in the future you should say cat burglar. Doesn't cat burglar sound so much more innocent than thief? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think a person losing a cat would be a lot more concerned than losing a football. You know? <laughs> So you come from Seattle. I'm I'm here in uh, Stockholm, Sweden. We have these uh, sort of same similar climates. You know, it it, it is rainy. It is kind of uh, dreary. It's a little bit uh, you know kind of dark. And do you think that inspires some of the music throughout the years that you've written? Absolutely, because you look at you look at that parallel on the globe 
and it's not terribly far away from Liverpool and Northern England and uh, <clears throat> yeah, in the in the dreary drearier weather, you're stuck in the house a lot of the time and and you're just off in this cloud of bliss listening to the Beatles or whoever you're into. Yeah, and then, uh, boy, the inspiration just kicks in and takes over. And me personally, uh, I learned all these guitar parts from these guys. And and then uh, when I discovered Eric Clapton and Jimmy Page and Jeff Beck, that was it. Those That triumvirate of guys was just they were it to me and and <clears throat> but i but i've always heard a rumor that uh because you know you do have this cool symbiotic relationship with jimmy page but you'd never really learned you you were using a bow and sort of a theremin and for those of you guys that know what a theremin is one of those, just i'll just go yeah, exactly. That's the international sort of uh, definition of theremin. But you were using those, uh, I, I wouldn't say tricks, but you were using those sort of... Uh, Tool. Tools, yeah. You were using those tools before you heard of Jimmy Page, or did he inspire yeah. that? No. Before I knew he existed, I had gone down to the local music store and bought those two items and... Yeah, and then when he came out with that stuff, I thought, "Damn, he beat me to it," you know. <laughs> yeah, but it's '63, and and you and your brother, because your brother does come very instrumental uh, in your career. He's he's helped out, and he's helped out, been a big part of Heart, and it's in, of course, I call it that that golden era of Heart, um, as well as all these future projects that you've, you've done throughout the years. So um, did your, you and your brother, how did you find the sisters or how did they find you? Well, let me preface that with just a little bit of background on my brother and I. Cool. Uh, so we, we started getting into to rock and roll and we just lived and breathed it. We loved it so much. And I remember, uh, he was telling me one day, I think I was probably 15 in 65, you know, we could make a wireless guitar transmitter for you and you could walk around the house and hear it on the radio, through the radio. And so he did. He went to Radio Shack and bought all the parts and I had a wireless guitar uh, transmitter before they were invented, you know. And then like a year later, uh, or a couple of years later, we had a quadraphonic PA system that my brother built. And so it's always been he and I doing this stuff together. Uh, you guys are actually like entrepreneurs, inventors. It's like, because those types of things changed rock and roll. I mean, in, yeah. maybe quadraphonic might have been sort of like, I don't know, 3D glasses for TVs. Maybe people talked a lot about it, but I don't know anybody that really actually used it all the time. But, but wireless radio transmitters with your guitar, come on, that's changed. Yeah, it. yeah, it was really cool. And so, you've, you've always done that with your guitars, your amps. You, you've always had a lot of these tools and tinkered a lot with stuff. And, you know, 
I know that I, I, I do go deep down the rabbit hole sometimes, and maybe I'm skipping ahead a little bit, but uh, when I do my research on these things, but I, I want to find about this, did the Jet City amp, did that ever come out, the, the, the Roger Fisher? Because it was a great, it was an amazing idea because you were one of the first people to actually have this idea that a amp could be like a studio monitor and be facing back up at you. And right, how, yeah, how, yeah. What is the Jet City amp about? And Vic, do you have a picture of that? No, no, he doesn't. Uh, geez, if I would have known, I could have given you some pictures. I had a, a little company that was making uh, guitar speaker boxes for a while that sit flat on the front of the stage with a speaker pointing up and then a, a face aiming back. So there's no signal aimed at the audience, like a, like a vocal uh, monitor. Yeah, except that this one you could stand on and have that sound coming right up at your guitar for, for feedback and sustain. It worked really, really well. And then uh, years later, Jet City uh, wanted to partner up and do something. So I suggested this amp that sits on the front of the stage aiming back, which is the way it should be. Yeah. But there's so many innovations. And the reason that my brother and I are innovative is because... Uh, in 1955, my dad was a carpenter and started uh, schlepping all this these spare things from work all the time, you know, used lumber, used nails, anything that he could get. And we bought a little piece of property uh, northeast of Seattle. <clears throat> and our family built our house. And so that was the kind of spirit in which we were raised. And so it was just natural for us to just think, oh, rock and roll, guitars. I want my own instrument, you know, and that kind of <laughs> way of thinking. No, that, oh, there's, that, there's a Jet City amp, but that's not that's not the Roger Fisher model that he's been talking about. And I'm just... Well, Let me run off, and I'm just going to grab a guitar. I'll be right back. All Hang right. on. Talk. All right, folks. I'll, I'll go full screen then. I love it. We're sitting here with... We're sitting here with Roger Fisher, uh, founding member of the band Heart Hall of Fame Heart. And, you know, my favorite thing about uh, about Rogers, I actually met Roger um, a few years ago. We were doing a charity show. Uh, first, we did one here in Stockholm. It was a John Lennon tribute. Um, our great, late, great friend, uh, Jack Middleman, was uh, organizing it all. And then we did one that uh, was in Seattle. And then we actually got to hang out more. And I got to find a little bit more about him. But you got to understand, folks, this is like one of those guys that writes those guitar riffs. I mean, you know, Barracuda, the song Barracuda? Yeah, that's him. And I want to ask him about the flanger and I want to ask him about all that stuff. Um, also, of course, the first album from Heart, which is Dreamboat Annie, uh, came out in 76. Uh, that had Crazy on You. There you go. There's a great shot of that, Vic. But uh, that riff, down, 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 down. I can, I'll bet you my bottom dollar that's a Roger Fisher riff right there. And uh, maybe he'll come up and play. Now he's back. Look at that. <laughs> You know, I can't find my learned guitar. It's 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 the world's coolest guitar. It's got a titanium fretboard. <clears throat> I don't know. Some people have titanium it? legs, and you have a titanium fretboard. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Well, on the subject of of those songs that you mentioned, if I was a fan watching this, I would want to hear Raj play a little bit. So. Okay. Right. But uh, Sounds there's great. always 
Well, this is a Floyd Rose guitar. Okay. Really cool guitar. You know what's great is that the ball, the American Bald Eagle has is it's completely calm around your music because it's just standing there very, very... <laughs> well, it's trying to get something out of its... Well, no, I don't know. Musical inspiration, it I guess. It's odd. <laughs> I was just talking about that riff. I love it. I love it. Yeah. I actually, you know, before the before the show and today when I'm doing the research, I went on and watched the uh, 1977 music video back then of there, and it was uh, you know, quite cool. And because I, I was because I, I wanted to I wanted to find out like who did that riff? Was that you or Howard that did that opening riff? And then I looked at the video and then of course none of it was really synced up because it's the seventies and who cares? It's just all those little clips of here and there. But then I saw you were playing a strat with a whammy bar. And I think Howard was playing a uh, Les Paul at that point. Was it? And uh, or maybe one of, you know, something like that. So, but, but you were the one that played that opening, uh, Barracuda riff, I can imagine, right? Yeah, yeah. That was you. yeah. It was a interesting hierarchy of creativity in heart. And while I was in the band, I was the main guy, guy, the uh, idea guy. Mm-hmm. Well, which I, I want to, you know, because a lot of people mistake heart for being from Seattle, but you actually were kind of, I mean, maybe you had formed in, in, in Seattle in that area, but I, I thought that the first album, all that stuff, a lot of that happened up in Canada, right? Right. Yeah. So how, uh, how did that work came, out? There came a point in American government and politics where it was just not acceptable to uh, back what was going on here. It was just we, may, we might be at that point again. What are you talking about? I know, I know. Like the Vietnam War, you know. We just couldn't contribute to that. So uh, we moved up to Canada and, uh, yeah, we started the band up there. So You were living we in lived, Vancouver, right? Yeah, Vancouver, B.C. Lived there for five years and, God, uh it was just a wonderful experience getting out of the United States and being part of a different culture. And I was living with a luthier. So I learned how to uh, work on guitars and I was just in heaven doing that. And uh, we had been kind of romancing Nancy to come up and join the band for a while. So then she came up and she and I got together while I was living with that luthier. And it was a real magical time. She and I, (laughs) that luthier gave me this jar of, magic mushrooms uh, bathed in honey. And Nancy and I would take those magic mushrooms and then we would go to a a guitar seminar and see somebody like, uh, I'm not remembering the names now, but these great jazz guitar players. Which is completely legal to do in Oregon now. They just passed it on this last election. Mushrooms, anything. I like it completely. So at this point, and this is something maybe... uh, people can take in and go, how did that all happen? But so you were dating Nancy and your brother was dating Anne. Is that correct? Correct. Okay. Yeah. Anne had moved up to be with Mike. Uh, Mike was living in this 
idyllic roundhouse uh, sitting above a, a little river in North Vancouver. And wow, that's yeah, that's a great shot of them. Look at that. Yeah. And uh, so they were a, a, an item first, although the, the very first time I saw a photograph of Nancy, I went, <sighs> and, I think we know. all thought the same thing. Same yeah. thing for me. <laughs> so, for me, it was it was the album cover of Little Queen, but we'll talk about that in just a little bit, you know. But but the thing is, so how long did did Mike stay in the band before Howard came into the picture? Howard Lee, I'm talking about, of course. Well, Mike was always in the band until I left. Okay, so so you guys had a ton. Yeah, okay, a ton of like. There was how many guitar players in that band at that point? Three. Okay. Uh, okay. Four, counting the bass guitarist, Steve yeah. Fawson. So Howard and Nance and I needed to learn how to combine our skills and talents in a way that was harmonious and it worked. So uh, heart songs are complex little orchestrations of ingenuity. Be I say that because Nancy uh, was re is really a fantastic musician, yeah. as is Howard. And then I'm a lot less academic. I'm a lot more heart and soul, a lot less intellectual. So my contribution to that threesome was really interesting. And like, for instance, you know, we're pl possibly playing the introduction to Love Alive there, or maybe we're playing Soul of the Sea. But geez, the work that Nancy and I did together, you know, we sat down and spent a lot of time coming up with these parts, and it was a beautiful uh, marriage of musicianship. And probably a, um, such a beautiful period of time with all that creativity and love and everything. Yeah, know? and and that's a really key thing is that <clears throat> Anne and Mike were really in love. Nancy and I were really in love, and it was just a beautiful, uh, a beautiful vibe that that we had, and we, and we were conquering. You know, we we were all just absolutely set on conquering the world. Yeah, well, you had Not to be, making you our dreams, and you definitely did. See, here's the thing that I think a lot of people forget because at that time, when you think about three guitar player bands, I play in a three guitar player band now with the Alice Cooper lineup. And, and now they're kind of more uh, more common. You'd see you know, Foo Fighters and you see a lot of bands that have three guitar players in it. But in those days, it was kind of like, oh, well, Leonard Skinner's the band that has three guitar players. Well, but you guys definitely had three different styles. And like you said, covered a bass. And I love the way that you explained how you uh, approached the music together because everybody brought something to the picture, right? Right. And that's a real interesting point is that what everybody brought to the picture was the result of their uh, their personality. And so we had a really interesting blend of personalities. And <clears throat> Anne and Nance, you know, from when they were very little, were kind of groomed in a way uh, to, to be entertainers because their mom and dad would say, Oh come on, Ananas, and come on out and, and show the show up. The, you know our our My friends used to do that. Too. Yeah. yeah, and so they, they had that in their blood. And then when all the the friends would go, "Oh, you're so good," you know, they they thrived on that. And then anybody who was just deeply moved by the Beatles, 
you know, that, 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 that was life changing. And some of us were just moved to the point where we just, that's what, that's all we wanted to do. Yeah. And they were certainly like that. So they both have their personality traits. And then uh, Steve Fawson and I, we went all the way back to where we learned how to play our instruments together. So wow. we were kind of, we were kind of joined at the hip in a way. And uh, Steve is Norwegian and I'm Norwegian. So uh, there's that connection we brought- that we talked about because I, we, I was going to bring it up a little bit later. But yeah, I'm recording this from Stockholm. But you do have Norwegian roots in you, don't you? Oh, I sure do. Like if Vic would display a certain uh, graphic that I sent him, a mm-hmm. photograph, you would kind of see. Well, there, there's our hometown in Norway of Undelsnes. Oh, wait a second. <laughs> That's not a green screen? I know you're on one now, but that, that actually looks so beautiful, <laughs> folks. But that is not a green screen. That looks that that looks incredible. What is the name of that town? Undelsnes. Okay, there's got to be two dots over one of the letters. There's definitely. The third day, yeah. <laughs> Oh, I'm not sure. Ondosness. But yeah, what a beautiful place. And I've been there six six times now, been back to Norway. <clears throat> and there we go. And that was the joining of our families, uh, our Norwegian, part of our Norwegian family. And uh, about like 24 of our family, we came over and that's in Bigland Park in Oslo. And just a magical, magical time with our relatives. That's very and cool. uh, uh, it's... You know, that sort of thing is unification. It's bringing the world together. It's what we what we should do. And when, I don't know if it's like this for other people, but when we went back to Norway to visit our relatives, oh my God, we're treated like royalty. And, you know, it's <laughs> wonderful. Well, the one thing I do know about royalty or one thing I know about Norway is that the roads are crap. They're the richest country in all of Europe and the roads, but for some reason, the roads are... They don't do any work on them. So whenever you, you know you're going in from Sweden into Norway, because all of a sudden everything becomes really potholy and, you know, and you wouldn't think about it. It's a, it's a oh, dark, dirty secret of Norway. There you go. <laughs> that's in southern Norway. Up north around Oslo and Bergen, the brewers are much better. All right. All right. I'll buy that. So <laughs> when, did the, when did the band actually change its name just going by heart? Because before you guys were going by the name of Army, you had gone by the name of Hocus Pocus and Whiteheart. So when did that change go? Was that when you guys signed the deal to get um, Dreamboat Steven. Steven. Had, uh, Steve Foston and I had had several permutations of heart before we met Anne okay. <clears throat> and uh, some interesting lineups there. But uh, when we put an ad in the paper and got Anne, then we formed a band called Hocus Pocus cover band. And then she met my brother and moved up to Vancouver to be with him and became a landed immigrant. So then Steve Foston and I both became landed immigrants, moved up. And I remember distinctly living in that round house I had mentioned Little earlier Luthier, yeah. in Vancouver, BC. Mm-hmm. And Anne had said, you know, I think that name Hart is kind of goody two shoes, something to that effect. And I said, Anne, the name of the band is Hart. And that was the end of that conversation. <laughs> well, I mean, the thing, the, the funny thing about that is, is that I think you were the one that was always pushing it to be a little bit more rock because they do have 
um, Anne and Nancy probably have a bit more of the uh, folksy folksy type of, of, of vibes. And you can tell that on some of the records in that golden era of which I say, because it, that, that era folks, it's like between 76 and, and, and pretty much 1980 when you, uh, uh, departed the band that era to me is my favorite era of heart it's the era that i uh, you know it's kind of like when people go back and they say well what do you like bond scott or or you know brian justin i said well bond scott of course so i'll say the roger fisher era right 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 off the bat you know and um i think you were the one that was always pushing it to be rock and be hard right or or just be heavier that was just a natural thing you know uh, a oversexed young man wants to rock (laughs) You know, <clears throat> and that sounds it sounds like a, a lyric of a song by any. <laughs> <laughs> it was a real uh, nice combination of elements: the the folksy thing, very intelligent, uh, heartfelt uh, music, inclinations from Anna Nance. Uh, <clears throat> their songwriting was very intelligent and uh, just. Great, great songwriting. And so what I brought to the table was some energy mm-hmm. and for some reason, memorable guitar licks. So, well, you, you definitely have some memorable guitar licks. Like I say, that's a, like, like it's been how many flanger pedal companies have uh, offered, you know, say, can you please be our <laughs> spokesperson for that? Because of the one riff of Barracuda, the opening riff of that, you know, in it alone. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. It's funny stuff. <laughs> I, I I saw, you know, if you go back to that picture of you playing live, Vic, uh, I saw one thing that you didn't bring to the table is shoes. Are you one of the first guys that do you still play uh, without uh, socks or shoes? Or was that just you forgetting something on the tour bus? <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I, I really liked being grounded back then. Uh, I've always been a real outdoorsy guy, and I, I like in the summer here in the Seattle area, we've, we've got a beautiful forest out in our backyard. I'm barefoot all the time in the summer. Uh, but, yeah, I, I just felt really grounded and able to communicate something that I felt was a little deeper because I didn't have a, uh, an interference between me and my connection with the ground. So you literally were grounded. I love it. You know? Yeah. And then the, the reason that that made sense was because we were wireless. So there's no danger of getting shocked, which brings up the, the, uh, the time in True. Japan, we were playing uh, the biggest shows in Japan's history. And we were in Kyoto and they were having the worst rains they'd had in 10 years. This was uh, this was Tokyo and Enoshima Beach. And there was like 80,000 people there that day. Biggest concert in Japan's history. I've seen stage we, jumps before, but that's the biggest stage jump I think I've ever seen. <laughs> I think that's one of the coolest photos in rock. Of all right time. There. Go back to it. I want to I want to break that thing down because that's like the Zabruder film. Let's break it down frame by frame. Now, you're actually not in the air. You're on one of the uh, stacks. And back, and back then, folks, that's what a PA looked That's a PA. That's a yeah. public address. <laughs> Back when PAs so, were yeah, PAs, what was, year was this? This was seventy-eight okay. and or seventy-nine, and uh, it was during the encore. We were playing "Rock and Roll" by Led Zeppelin, uh, 
Yeah. And great cover you guys uh, did of that. One of our roadies came up and said, hey, uh, your brother suggested that you go up to the top of the stack. And I thought, what? He's crazy. <laughs> so, of course, I, during my solo or just before my solo, I climbed up the back of that PA stack, which in itself was uh, a little bit of work. It was 95 degrees, 95 percent humidity that day. The lead singer in the band before us had passed out. So I climbed up to the top of this stack and played the guitar behind my back. And man, those people went nuts. <laughs> you, you had him at climbing up. You didn't have to go with the guitar behind him, but you just went that extra, extra notch. I love it. Good job. So anyway, Ryan. back to the Kyoto story. Yes. So we're in Kyoto, Japan. Heaviest rains they'd had in 10 years. Uh, the Japanese crew had set up a scaffolding with a polyethylene neoplastic tarp roof that was flat. So that thing started filling up with water. And my brother's out at the board going, oh, my God, get somebody to, to get up there and put holes in that thing so the water can come through. So they did that. And so that water is coming through in these various little waterfalls on stage. <clears throat> and uh, I'm in my bare feet, which is, of course, very scary, except that I was wireless. Yeah, And then Same all of a sudden, here. I see the roof starting to come. I, I see Anne turn around with a horrified look on her face, and I see, oh, my God, the roof is coming down. So I grabbed Nancy and ran off the stage. Then the roof came down, and Whoa. that was that. Man, see, and, and everybody, I was just thinking that it would be a nice aesthetic probably for the dog and butterfly sort of theme, and everyone was thinking, oh, there's waterfalls. Isn't this nice? <laughs> <laughs> oh, they're so clever. Who's that set designer? Very clever set designers. I love it. You know, the reason why, folks, uh, we have Roger Fisher, a founding member of Heart, and so much more right now. We are talking with him. You're in the chat right now. Thank you for tuning in. This is In the Trenches, a live stream. And, um, well, I want to get really quickly into the reason why you're on this show, because you're the you and your band and everything that you've done throughout your career it uh, exemplifies in the trenches because you're one of those bands that that's been through a lot of adversity, especially, you know, record label BS fighting against record labels. I mean, in fact, with your first label that you had with dreamboat Annie, that was signed to mushroom records. Then you, you know, you start getting this huge success and then there's a, there's sort of a, a split and like I said, this all happened, folks, in a very short amount of time. So you basically had, and people know how I feel about the year 1977, you basically had two records come out in 1977, right? And, right. But why? Bands would normally not have that, but was that just because there was some record company infighting, or how did that whole thing happen? Right. And there's that album cover that I think... Uh, everybody fell in love with Nancy Wilson and, of course, Ann Wilson. And where are you in the back? You're in the white shirt, right? No, I'm down there in oh, the orange pants. Chest. Okay, chestless. Okay, you 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 I'm went the, shirtless. I'm the I'm the archer. You went full on satchel. If I'm not mistaken, isn't uh, isn't the back shot have a a band shot? Isn't the back cover a band shot? Oh, uh, the back cover of that album. Yeah, isn't it? I don't remember All what right. it is. Okay, well, I guess. It's the, yeah, it's, well, I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't look that much anymore, folks. Yeah, don't worry, man. But you know what? I, trust me, I, I broke down that album cover 
years and years. I mean, I, I love so many of the songs on that album, you know, kick it out is like, you know, a really great track off that as well. Little queen, the title track off that. I think that was uh, one of the B sides of one of my 45s folks. I actually had the 45 of it. Oh, very cool. Huh? <laughs> Good for you, man. That's so cool. So all this success and all this sort of happening in a very short amount of time, um, you know, you had, and, and this is one of the reasons why it happened. There There's it the back cover. See, there it is. You were the archer. I, I wasn't yeah. wrong. I wasn't wrong with that. I love it. Um, but is it true that you had you, all three albums, Dreamboat Annie, Little Queen, and Magazine, they were all on the charts at the same time at one point? God, you're asking the wrong guy. Ah, you know, I, well, I'll answer it for you. They I were. think I mean, if you've done your homework and that's what you found out, you're probably right. Although, as you and I both know, there's so much misinformation out there, you know. My name isn't Rodney. Um, <laughs> my brother isn't the guitarist in heart, you know, yeah. that sort of thing. Well, we have <laughs> but, a whole section called Never Let the Truth Get in the Way of a Good Story. So, you know, yeah. <laughs> we, if you have any of those amazing sort of, um, you know, stories that like it can't be true. Well, it's probably not then. You know? Oh, my God. <laughs> you know, talking about stories, uh, I've got to plug our book. My brother and I are writing. Oh, we're going to uh, get, Duke. yeah, we're getting into that because that's what happened after Heart. You, again, that relationship with you and your brother, you guys have done so much. And you guys both wrote, what, an autobiography together, right? We're working on it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. 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 How, what, and, and is this going to be about sort of. Um, heyday up to now and early years up to all through all the different projects that you and your brother have done and and what's the approach behind it because you're both doing a your own um your own take on it or how are you combining yeah. it? how's it working so we're not going to use a ghost writer we are uh we are writing it ourselves because we're capable <clears throat> and it's uh it's about the story of our lives. And the reason we can write a book about the story of our lives is because all this stuff that has happened is so interesting. And so there's so much synchronicity and coincidence involved. It, when, you, when you hear the stories and hear how they fit with each other, you think this can't be true, but it is true. And that is the underlying uh, theme of, uh, contiguous storytelling that goes on that keeps you turning the pages and it's just it's just uh it's a great story and so then to see how Anna Nance and the whole heart thing fits into that and how my getting out uh, affected this and and now we're still going on you know it's just a a really fascinating uh a fascinating glimpse into a couple of human lives that are real special, but not totally dissimilar to, to anybody else. I mean, all this magical stuff uh, is going on all the time with all of us. But when you can document it, when you can see it and document it, oh, it's really interesting. Very cool. So when should we look out for bros, the Fisher Brothers dual autobiography? And are you guys are you guys going with a dual autobiography is that what you're calling it yeah yeah so i'll write a, a a little bit of a story and then mike will put in his two bits 
and then we'll culminate it with, oh, yeah, so I think it probably was exactly like this, you know. <laughs> so it's, it's nice to see two sides from, you know, one guy is mentally damaged, obviously, and the other guy, <laughs> that, that other guy is not mentally damaged. So well, nah. it's, it's the creativity, it's the, um, you know, the creativity and the genius going together. But you, you also have to have a lot of spirit and you have obviously the spirit in your heart. You can you can tell it just by the way you talk, you know, and you guys have done a lot of different projects together, not just rock and roll and not just hanging out. in I would assume what that is, the coldest hot tub of all time. I don't know. What that's my that's my backyard. My girlfriend and I built that koi pond. And so almost every day of the week, I'm in that water. And this was a couple winters ago. He's swimming yeah. with the koi fish, folks. He's swimming with the koi fish. <laughs> now, you and your brother have also put together uh, bands. And uh, the, the, you played together, you know, not other outside of heart. And Fisher Brothers in the Human Tribe is one of them, right? Right. That's the present band. Okay. And well, she's got just... We've got great musicians. Uh, a typical show is where I'll go out and play an acoustic set because uh, I've got a bunch of bunch of my solo music, uh, and that's interesting. But then the band comes on, and we do uh, we do some heart material, of course. I mean, people want to hear the heart material. Yeah, well, they want and to we, hear that. They want to hear that uh, crazy on you riff. The the only way the the guy that wrote it and sort of recorded it can play it, you know? Right. You know, you you can go see Anna Nance do Heart, but it's, you know, they don't have Raj. And as long as they don't have Raj, it's just never going to be quite there. That's right. But, uh, yeah. And then, so it turned out that these, uh, two of these musicians that we, we got, uh, Brian Thompson and Carol Wood, have their own band called Born to Fly. And then when we combined the people in my band with Born to Fly, God, there's another great band. So we've got two really great bands right now. That are and, Okay, cool. Yeah. And, and so uh, Bros, uh, the pre-sale is happening now. For the, for the book. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And then the pre-sale for the Born to Fly album is happening now. So you guys got a lot of stuff that's going on currently. And you know what? What we're going to do right now, because that's a perfect segue for us to break into our tiny little break that we do in the middle of the podcast. So hang out with us for two minutes while we sort of, uh, you know, pay homage to the man, if you will, and sort of promote our System 12 12-week challenge. So, Vic, if you want to run that, we are here with uh, Roger Fisher, founding member of Heart, and obviously the Human Tribe, and Born to Fly, and so much more. We're going to talk about all the current stuff with the new book coming out, uh, Bros. So uh, stick around right after this. We'll be back. Yeah. Hello, folks. Roxy here. So you've decided to learn with the System 12 guitar method. Awesome job. Well, these lessons are so much more than just put your fingers here, now strum this chord there. We have meticulously designed and tested them to make sure that you begin your guitar journey the absolute best way possible. Now, we know you're as excited as we are to get going, and that's why we're gonna give you even more added incentive to achieve your goal. We are setting a challenge, the System 12-Week Guitar Challenge. That's right. Starting on the Black Friday, Cyber Monday weekend in late November, the entire Roxy Guitar Army team will be involved in helping you stay focused and stay inspired as we coach you through each of the lessons of System 12. 
Each week, we will release an insider's video that will give you goals, tips, and tricks on how to get the most out of each lesson. Together, we'll create a community of encouragement and support as we will all be on the same page. So, RGA, we challenge you to better yourself, to learn the guitar like you said you always would, to play those iconic riffs, those classic songs, and become the best guitarist you can be. Check out and buy the official System 12 Guitar Method today at ryanroxy.com system12 or at our Ryan Roxy Instagram store and get ready to enjoy the ride. I'm Ryan Roxy, and I'll see you at the Guitar Challenge. And of course, I'll see you back in the trenches. I think I got it. There you go. Back when I had a full set of teeth, folks. Um, I've been in I've been in the dentist chair all day today, and uh, they basically drilled one of my molars out, and they're going to remove it on Thursday. It will be missed, or will it? It was it was so painful, dude. I was like, I didn't know if we were going to be able to have a show today, but you know what? I get to have a shout out to Christopher and to Jenny and, of course, Iwa and everybody at the dentist office that uh, took me in on an emergency meeting and uh, helped my teeth out. So I can actually talk and I'm not in complete barrel over pain right now. But uh, not we're, we're in a good place because we're here with uh, Roger Fisher, guitarist and um, I don't know, spiritualist, mystical man, magic man, if you will, um, there to bring up something. Meditation. Do you do it? I'm so glad that you brought that up. <clears throat> Boy, in today's global climate, one wonders why is all this happening? And I believe that it's all happening because humanity needs a wake-up call. We need to realize that we are interdependent. We need each other. We can't be divisive. We can't be at each other's throats. That's just not going to work. So what could I bring to the picture that could be helpful to humanity. And what I came up with as an answer to that was music that is spiritually uplifting, which I try to put that in the between the lines of everything that I do musically. And if you uh, are prone to reading books, there's one book that I think is just the absolute best book that you can read regarding meditation, and that's The Power of Now. So Eckhart Tolle, The Power of Now, if, you, uh, right. if you're looking for a book to read, great book. And then right I- after, Right after Bros, though. Get, get Bros first. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pre-order Bros, which is available now, but then get The Power of Now. I love it. There's your plug right there. What do you think, Raj? Power of Now. Yeah, so uh, let me just give me a, just a couple of minutes to, to fly something by you here. Okay, I'm ready. So, let's say you are somebody that's really stressed and, you know, bummed out about the pandemic or the racial tensions, whatever. Here's a practice that I, uh, that I do and that I tell all my guitar students. It, this is mandatory for being able to get up on stage in a really high profile, scary situation where you've got adrenaline going and, you know, like that. Right, right. This, that one of those situations. Exactly. Yeah, That's yeah. a great situation to be in, folks. Look at it that. Is. Look at that situation. Everybody wants to be in that one. Roxy Guitar Army, take a snapshot of that. Let's go. Okay. Uh, so how do you so deal with it? You do. Here's what you do. You remember this practice by an acronym. B-A-S-H. B stands for breathing. So 
take a big deep breath hold it and then let it out slowly immediately that feels good you do that over and over and over for a while and you feel really good and what you're doing you're slowing down your heart rate which is really good if you got a bunch of adrenaline pumping pumping through your system the a stands for awareness while you're doing this and breathing deeply you're putting your awareness into your toes calves knees earlobes you inhabit your whole body with your consciousness the awareness of your consciousness throughout your whole body breathing deeply total awareness in in your body the s stands for seeing when you see rather than think about this microphone and that tripod and that refrigerator and this green screen throughout the whole room <laughs> and <laughs> these individual realize that all you're seeing is one image anywhere you look you're seeing one image and so see the whole image without concentrating on any one thing more than another so breathing awareness in the body seeing everything as one image hearing the h stands for hearing and then you listen as if your life depends on it to everything you can hear and when you do that you realize oh i wasn't thinking just then because that is the enemy and we all we all almost everybody has that going yeah. all the time that's true and when you, when you can take that out of the equation oh my god there's no fear there's no doubt it's it's peaceful there's no anger there's there's nothing going on it's just absolutely you're just being and that is the practice and and so i do that like Gosh. 10 15 times a day whenever i remember yeah. it and it's and then when you get good at practicing that you can go into a real uh a real demanding situation and just be and just have it together like that right see that guy isn't all nervous and afraid and worrying about what people are thinking about him <laughs> I, I, perhaps we have sort of a similar sort of credo I, I mean i i go with imagine your reality and enjoy the ride those are the two that i sort of go by um just imagining your reality don't you know and right. and also um practice persistence and patience the three p's so we're giving you know giving all our secrets away today but they're not secrets they should be shared with everybody um, i think another one that you possibly have is follow your bliss is that something that you oh yeah definitely before? but I want, i'm going to look up your system 12 guitar method yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. that looks fantastic well, cool i mean as it do you, have you taught like you just said, you had a lot of students as well. And, and we have this thing called the Roxy Guitar Army that we build up and we're building it up with the with the System 12 Guitar Method. It is a non-traditional way of learning because I feel that uh, too many times with, with online lessons, uh, they miss the mark in one way, whether it's the quality of the video or whether they're not taking too much advantage, uh, enough advantage of the tech that's out there today or... They're taking too much of the tech and they're missing out on the mentor because you need a mentor, folks. I, I still feel. So what I think we've uh, sort of combined is old school mentoring and some really cool new age tech. So I think, you know. You and I have a lot in common because oh, my, my guitar program is called Beyond Guitar. 
Now, you can go online and learn all this theory, learn all this great stuff, and they can impart it a lot better than I can. But what nobody I see is doing is talking about your relation to sex and your guts and uh, your spirituality, you know. I mean, sex. Sex is every plant and animal and insect and fish on the planet is having sex. And it's a real important part of our lives. Gets you into trouble, though, sometimes from time to time. It'll get you into trouble, huh? Get you you into trouble with rock and roll bands, apparently, too, as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) But, uh, you know, you bring these other things to the table and it's beyond guitar, especially spirituality. Yeah. Because, you know... uh, as we get closer and closer to self annihilation, yeah. we need to, we need to evolve. Peace, love, and Armageddon. That's another one of the album titles. It's like, what the hell's going on? <laughs> well, how do you feel about that? Because we do have a lot of vi- vices, and I think you know you try to help out a lot with anti anti suicide, drug use, alcoholism, all those sort of things that are real issues. You address those problems and, and what's your approach to helping people out that have gone through that stuff? Cause you yourself have gone through it. I've gone through it. Um, we've been lucky to survive and thrive, Definitely. you know, and, and overcome, but a lot of people, um, struggle and as I, and I struggle every day with it. You probably do still. It's like, you know, I asked, um, you know, I, I asked a, a, a good friend, you know, he hadn't drank for a long, long time. I go, do you ever think about drinking? He goes, every single day of my life. And I probably will, you know, but it's something, it's a place I don't go. How do you help out and deal with that? I drink. There you go. (laughs) No, I I drink very uh, carefully because, man, alcohol is dangerous stuff. Uh, The older you, oh, there we go. There's a good segue. You know why? (laughs) You know what, Roger? Cheers to you. I drink as well. And, uh, oh. yeah. And, and I know I've been to the dentist folks. I know they shot me up with a bunch of lidocaine. It's some, some, something in the cane family, but, uh, you yeah. know what? It's, it's, it's a very clean vodka right now, but we're not talking about vodka because my new favorite, uh, sort of alcohol, I, I, you know what? I want to get back to this, you know, how you're helping. Cause I know that you do actually help out with, you know, anti-suicide, alcoholism. So let, let's, let's wrap that in drug use. I want to find out, you know, how, some advice that you can give for people. Yeah. Well, you know, what I do now, when, the older you get, the more you realize, man, this alcohol is really messing with my memory. You know, I don't want to have dementia when I'm 75. Uh, so I just drink during the weekends. And then during the week, I, I just feel how good it feels not to have any extra chemicals in my system messing with my memory and my mind. It's it's uh, it's nice to be able to remember stuff, you know, and, <laughs> and carry on a conversation without you. You know that next word that I was just going to say, can, uh, you know, without doing that kind of stuff. So yeah, it, geez, That's why it's I like, <laughs> yeah, anyway, yeah. I, and then all the suicide, man, the suicide rate has gone up so dramatically. I don't remember. I, I did, I did some, something for some charity that was, that was helpful. And, and anytime I talk to people that have problems, uh, well, for instance, uh, 
there's a lot of people out there with various forms of PTSD, and I give guitar lessons to a few people, free to a few people with that, because God, they're, they're, they've been over in Afghanistan. This one guy uh, was in charge of sending the dead bodies back to America right. and the dead body parts. Can you imagine? Not a good job. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh, That's just a- hor- horrifying stuff. And so do you find it's, that it's, teaching guitar is therapeutic for him to sort of deal with? Absolutely. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, it's music in general is such great therapy. Yeah. I love it. Well, you know, what goes along with music is sort of a really good whiskey. And that's sort of my, as I was saying before, that's my new sort of drink of choice is the I made it up I made up a drink folks you might have seen me drinking it a couple of podcasts before but uh, every Tuesday I have some sort of drink du jour and because I've been to the dentist this is a clean vodka but usually I have a Roxy old fashioned a Roxy fashioned if you will um uh-huh. and it's with a really good uh whiskey but not as good as the one I think that you and uh, is again is this a partnership with you and your brother that you have done is yeah. this Okay, yeah. so this is a Roger Fisher and the Human Tribe Heart of the Blues Rye Whiskey. Tell us about it. And, uh, like, again, like the, you know, wireless radio transmitters that you guys were inventing way back in the 60s, how did this new whiskey uh, come about? Well, this was suggested by Rose City Distillery in Portland, Oregon, that, that we do this. And they laid out a whole bunch of different kinds of whiskey for us to try out because... I mean, I was I was uh, I was skeptical about this whole thing, but man, I tasted this one, and and my brother tasted. Oh, that's it. We like that one, and so it won a silver medal in international competition. And there's brother Mike there, <clears throat> and uh, it is really a good whiskey. But when you're just a newcomer, a small guy, it's not easy to get distribution nationally, let alone internationally. So right now, it's just available in. Uh, a few places in Washington State and Oregon, Nevada, and Texas, but uh, we've got we've got some guys on that, so it's really a great whiskey. You know what I'd like to do is hand deliver a bottle to you next time I come to Europe. Well, either I come to Europe, or or either you come to Europe, or I go make it some way in the states, and we and we cross paths at one point because we should hook up at what and uh hopefully it'll be in a band situation hope it'll be in a live music situation as well because um Do you, you play golf huh i play, golf, play golf all the time yeah alice yeah. taught me how to play yeah. I, I i mean this year have i played golf i'll be really honest with you i was able to play it with coop when we did our australia new zealand tour came back here to sweden the world shut down i played one round very oh. poorly, very poorly. But ah. but you know, usually on tour, I play golf about six, six, seven, six, seven days a week. Honestly, oh, that's I play every See, day. that's what I want to do. I want to tour with you guys, <laughs> and and it could be a, a traveling golf tournament thing right. where you, you play in. golf one day and then play the gig the next day. You know, keep going, leapfrog that. Are you now? Are you one of those guys that goes uh, that says their handicap is lower than it actually is, or what's your non bullshit handicap? Because I'm I'm a non bullshit handicap is is literally probably about a nineteen twenty, and that's really non bullshit. And, and okay, I'll tell I'll yeah. tell people that I'm eighteen. I'll tell people that I'm that I'm a bogey golfer, you know. But 
then Alice will tell people that I'm a 14. And I'll go, why did you do that? You, now I'm just going to have one of those days. So, so you're, you're about a 20. So you're, we're, we're basically the same because it's a hard frigging game, right? It really is. I love it. It's such, when it's did you such, get into it? Oh, okay. Here's another good story. So my dad, uh, when he was about 16, the, uh, top pro from our local uh, Sandpoint Country Club golf club, real prestigious place. Top pro there would come and wake my dad up and bring him to the course and he, my dad would caddy for two guys for 36 holes, carrying their clubs around for 36 holes. And he needed to do that to make money for the family. But, uh, uh-oh, I've lost my lost my point. Where was I going? What was the question? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Sometimes Vic goes nuts and he, he lost the angle there, but there you go. <laughs> uh, we were talking, oh, how long have I golfed? Yeah. So yes. we started playing when we were really little, but didn't ever really stay into it until just a couple of years ago. So, oh, I play like two or three times a week now uh, consistently and, and just love it. And the correlation between golf and music is just brilliant because I think so. Yeah, absolutely. you don't have to convince me or Alice or Chuck um, because yeah. Chuck Garrick, our bass player as well, he golfs. He's he's sort of in the the trio of golfers that we we all go out and it's it's the best. It's therapy as well, just as much as, as playing guitar is therapy. Um, so is playing golf for me, you know. Yeah, as well. So, I've already contacted Alice's manager. Uh, waiting to hear back from him, but you talk to Alice and say, "Alice, this Raj guy is all right. Let's, you know, let's tour with him." Now, what band would you take out uh, going with it? Would you would it would it be Born to Fly, or would it be uh, would it be the Human Tribe, or is that sort of an amalgamation of both? It would it would have to be uh, the Human Tribe because we're a lot more hard edged, and that would be a good match with with Alice's music. Because Born to Fly is a little bit more country rock and Americana, right? Exactly, yeah. Right. Because I, I know that Vic had some old videos as well. How would you describe what Heart was, especially in that sort of, um, that, like I like to say, the golden age of Heart? What would you say, how would you classify that music? Because you did have sort of acoustic, a lot of acoustic um, vibe to it, but then it did have that hard edge. What Would you say straight rock and roll or what? It was soft to hard rock because, geez, a song like Devil Delight, you know, that's a little more obscure, but man, it's, it's, the, the <laughs> lyrics are hardcore and the music is heavy. Uh, yeah. Semi hard we, rock. I like it. <laughs> like semi charmed life, you're semi hard rock. <laughs> that was, yeah. This footage, this footage uh, was from this? a camper that I brought with us to Europe in 75. Holy crap. And people have never seen this stuff before. Wait a in second. Our- I love that. This, and th- this is shot on like an eight millimeter, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, so in our book, our book is a, an e-book. So we, we'll, we're going to have the, these kinds of videos and, and all kinds of photographs in there. In bros. Yeah. yeah. And you can go to uh, our site. 
We're going sure to get through all the social links in just a second because okay, we're yeah, just we'll marveling at all this uh, footage, folks, that is like actually in the trenches exclusive for right now. It'll soon be out with the bro's uh, autobiography as well. But uh, look at this footage, nope. folks. Nobody's seen this before. I, I was shooting this, so I'm not in the picture, but we were, at, we were in London in a photography studio. <laughs> Someone just bare-assed. Who is it that just bare-assed yeah, then? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Man, so... And of course, back in these days, this, there was no sound on this air, but there was Air France. There's Howard. Look at this footage. It's amazing, dude. No, Vic didn't find this. This is stuff that Roger exclusively sent over to Vic and said, you put it on. And then what Vic did is he private messaged me and said, I got to put this stuff on. What are you doing, you nut? So there it is. On a French variety TV show, obviously strange events of Americans. Oh, you guys were living the life. La Vida Loca. <laughs> yeah. Every once in a while, we'd have to beat up our bass player. You know. <laughs> did you, now? Did you guys like when you traveled? How many people when you went on these trips? Was it was it just the band, or did you go with band and crew? And how did you work it out? Look at that! Wow. Voila! He says, uh, "Let's see. It was band and crew. A pretty narrow uh, bunch of people. Uh, Tight knit group." No, we didn't have a big budget back then. No. But this is 75, and you actually fell in love with uh, Goldfinger's, I guess, one of Goldfinger's victims. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Shout out to Sean Connery, the late, the great. Yeah, for 007 right there. Yeah, it is. Oh, my God. So do people mistake you still for being Canadian because the band started in Canada? From time to time. Oh, I have no idea, Ryan. No. <laughs> I just like looking at this footage, but damn it. I know, it's really fun. And you know what? We're gonna we're gonna shut it. We're gonna shut the footage down now because I want everyone to check it out when uh, on the Bros autobiography that's coming out. Because right now that's where we're doing because it's we're heading out to the highway, folks. This is where uh, Roger Fisher, our guest, gets to. Uh, Basically, if you will, for the people that are listening to us on the audio podcast formats, please say your social medias that you want people to come check out because I know that every, you want people to build up your YouTube channel as well with the human tribe. So um, tell people about your social media contacts, please. So, uh, yeah, Fisher Brothers and the Human Tribe is the name of our YouTube channel. We've got a ton of videos on there, really interesting stuff, including the Beyond Guitar series. But uh, we've got a store that uh, is really cool. You can go to Roger. Well, you can go to RogerFisher.com and access the store there. Uh, more directly, you can go to HumanTribe.Square.Site. S I T E. Dot but square. Just All right. Now you're kind of yeah. Uh, or how about how about RogerFisher dot com? Can we get can we get all yeah. our stuff there? Let's just go there, yeah. folks. Yeah. All right. That, that's easy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You start putting squares on there, folks. Then all of a sudden you got problems with you got problems Where's with the, you know, square, square symbol. Is that a square, square symbol? <laughs> and and what's would you say, because I mean, I'm looking at the list of the stuff that you guys got over there on the store and I'm thinking, I'm seeing jewelry. Of course, you got this, this swag that's, uh, you know, hats and shirts and stuff, but you also have, what's a human tribe tea? You actually have a, a tea? Is oh, it oh, it's 
There we go. Yeah, that is good stuff. Uh, I created this with a, uh, a, a master herbologist. He's also uh, the first Western practitioner of Tibetan medicine. Uh, the tea is fantastic. 31 organic herbs from around the world. That It's got four different kinds of ginseng. And any of you who know what ginseng does, boy, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Does it? All right, back to the sex. Back to the sex analogy. I did not know that that four different types of ginseng could do the trick. All right. Right. Got Damiana and Don Kwai, which are both aphrodisiacs for females. And then fortunately it has real brain uh helpful herbs in it too. Herbs that uh, improve blood circulation in the brain. And so you don't act on all those things that you're thinking about. <laughs> okay, here's what I want. Next time we see each other and hopefully be on the road with us playing together in some capacity. But if, if, if I go over to the stage, you come to Europe, um, I want a bottle of your whiskey. I want a bottle of the, uh, you know, Heart of the Blues uh, whiskey and the Human Tribe whiskey. And I also want some Human Tribe tea to sober up with. Is that, is that a deal? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a deal. You got it. Shit, man. Well, Roger Fisher, uh, it's been a pleasure having you on. I mean... You've bestowed on us a bunch of knowledge. I really like that bash, that yeah. bash analogy that you have. Because I usually ask for, hey, do you have a quote that you live by? And I think, again, it's worth going over and just recapping a little bit of what bash is. Let me see if I can get it right. Breathe. Um, dang it. Now I'm... Now I'm uh, um, awareness. 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 C, but, but, you know, everything is not, it's a big picture. C in the big picture was sort of way and here. Right. All right. Right. And, and if you do that, you'll be able to play, uh, you'll be able to play stadiums the way that uh, Vic put up that shot of you playing that. St <laughs> That'll be you. <laughs> if you just practice a little bit of bash, is that true? Yeah. What's that there? Oh, that's pretty cool. Vic. Where'd you find that? Yeah. Middle Boston Hart, Van Halen, Cobill. Wow. 79. The tickets were only... 50, that's kind of expensive for 79, don't you think? What do you think? I know. That's what I was saying. Well, look at those headliners. Jeez. I true. I would pay great group. <laughs> and and it, back in then, were there any sort of things like meet and greets? You, can you, or were there any... There wasn't anything that was accessible, accessibility to fans. And I'm just wondering how that's how that changed or how did you have access to the fans back in those days? We really shouldn't go there. Ah, because you were because, so we, because it was we basically sex. It's back fans. to that three letter word. <laughs> it was a very intimate relationship we had with our fans. That's true. <laughs> so basically, a meeting group was basically a meeting greet was basically um, an orgy or, or something or something. Come on to the hotel room, honey. Listen. <laughs> oh my god! I love it. Now, if you if you would freeze frame on that, that would be it, oh folks. Gosh. And I think it did. Folks, <laughs> Roger Fisher has freeze framed on that. All right, we're gonna. Look Take it down. Take the temperature down. Like uh, President Joe just said. Yeah. Taking the temperature down. All right, Vic. Whew. All right. So, folks. So honored to be here with 
Thank you so much. It was really, really fun. It's been a great Looking one, man. You again. Thank you very much there, Roger Fisher. Um, yeah. Perhaps, you know, we will <laughs> see each other sooner than later. Um, I want to hear, you know, next time what's happening, more updates on the book. Um, again, just if you can give it one quick Vic, one quick uh, visual with the social media platforms, I think it's just rogerfisher.com would be the best way to go. Or if you want to find yeah. us out on uh, Instagram, that's at Roger Fisher Music. And of course, folks, if you are listening to us on any sort of audio podcast, get over to the Ryan Roxy official YouTube channel and hit that subscribe button. I'm trying my fingers are going crazy, but there you go. Hit that subscribe button wherever. Maybe it's where Roger is right there. Thank you so much, man. So, Raj, any parting words to folks that, uh, you know, want to find out more about you? I'm going to give you two parting words. Cool. These are the parting words that our father gave us every morning as he said goodbye as we went to school. Have fun. <laughs> Enjoy the ride. I like it. That's perfect, man. Well, Roger Fisher, thank you for being on In the Trenches. Everybody that's in the chat, thank you for hanging out. And everybody that's listening, uh, thank you for supporting the podcast. On behalf of uh, Vic Chalfant, myself, and of course, the great Roger Fisher, uh, we'll see you next time in the trenches. Bye. Yeah. In the Trenches with Ryan Roxy. This is beyond in the trenches. It's behind the trenches. <laughs> Raj, really appreciate you coming on, dude. It's been great. Yeah, thank you, thank you for that video and stuff. Dude, that, that was video really was great. Cool. I didn't know it was I didn't know we were going to get exclusive stuff. That's really cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I wasn't. I I wanted to throw it up at the beginning, but I didn't want to take you guys off screen. Oh, it was really distracting. You just wanted to watch the video. Yeah. <laughs> I know yeah. that was great stuff, man. And and thank you for finding that back cover too. You know. Oh yeah, that was good. That was good. Yeah, that was, I was, that was, now I was I was going to say was that the the clothing behind that because it, that is sort of a Renaissance fair esque you know vibe. Was that like sort of a set designer, costume designer, or was that your guys' concept to have that? That was our concept. We wanted to have this gypsy wagon uh, kind of uh, midsummer. Mid, what am I thinking of? Shakespeare, Shakespearean. Yeah, uh, mid, Midsummer's Night <laughs> Dream or something. Yeah. Mid, Midsummer's yeah. Eve. Yeah. yeah. See, yeah. It Midsummer Night. Midsummer Night? What? There's a different word I'm looking for. But anyway... Uh, Renaissance Festival or something. Yeah. And so we went to this uh, Hollywood warehouse where they had a bajillion different kinds of costumes and outfits, and we each chose those See, clothes. It pisses me off when I come up with better questions when we're not recording. <laughs> and that yeah. happens, you know? It's like, like, well, why did you ask that? God damn it, you know? Also, somebody posted that that was shot in someone's backyard. No, that was Elysian Park in Los Angeles. Okay, well, somebody put up there in so-and-so's backyard, and I thought, oh, I didn't know that. That's yeah, amazing. I was wondering what that meant, too. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, see, see, the thing is, I didn't bring up, you know, I, 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 I wanted to talk about it because, like, I do feel that the band, it is important to know that you guys sort of, you were persistent because, you know, most bands, you know, have that sort of controversy and yours was with that stupid first time ad, which actually fueled 
the fucking song Barracuda, right? Yeah, so, yeah, so, that contributed to it. So, I mean, the thing is, with with that, that's what I think is inspiring to so many people is because they go, you know what? They they got Hart, you know, could have been down for the count with Mushroom Records only, but then no, they 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 fought through it, and Portrait came up, and then that's that's the reason. Isn't that the real reason why both records were put produced put out in '77 or not? Right. Yeah, I never got back to that uh, question adequately. So let's. Yeah, I mean they they put out they put out a, a, a an album before it was finished, and it was that was outrageous to us, you know. See, so I, it was funny as a as a kid growing up being a Heart fan, I could hear that 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 Little Queen was a done record and magazine, although it had I, I, down down um, what was it. Heartless, heartless, yeah. it's great, great, great. But it, but the album seems a little bit untied, right? Exactly, exactly. So, yeah. I mean, and then and then Dog and Butterfly was kind of like, okay, now there's, I, I, I want to hear that, I want to hear the heavy stuff, and I know that there's a whole another side. It's like two sides that you have. Yeah. Was that the, was that the album that you did the the rock and roll uh, Led Zeppelin cover on, or which? How did that? Which no, that was that was uh, that was a uh, uh, greatest hit. Okay, I was think. it on the greatest hits ones? Okay, because because it's a hard thing. I always say to cover a Led Zeppelin song or a Beatles song. It's almost sacrilegious. But you guys, that you guys did a great job with with that one. And I'm sure that that was was that a staple in the set for years before. Yeah, yeah. Did when it? we would play Zeppelin stuff live. We were really good. I, I won't say we're you know, as good as Zeppelin, but we did it really, really well. Because I was totally a Jimmy Page guy, and you know, we, we were all totally into Zeppelin. So we not only captured the vibe, we put some extra energy into it. And then we used to have a Led Zeppelin medley that we would play at nightclub. That just... Ah, damn. And it's really cool. Wow, cool. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm getting you cut off no, on, the, on the internet. We'll have to have we got to do on. this again. Yeah, we'll do it again and we'll break it down a little bit more because yes. that, that's the thing when I, you know, when I hear, when I think about these good stories that can happen, you know, when the, when the camera's not rolling, it p- bums me out. But you know what? Bash. Bash. Yeah. B-A-S-H, yeah. baby. That's all. <laughs> that was really good. I really like that. I think the people will love it. Vic, thank you very much, bud. And uh, I'll call you a little bit later. You're I'm going to go eat some food, you, all right? Hey, Roger, okay, I'll talk you, to you soon, yeah, okay? You said, what'd okay. You, what'd you say? Take care. Nice. You said you were going to call me later about whatever it was you wanted to talk about. I'll call you later. Thanks, guys. Okay. Bye. Okay. In the Trenches with Ryan Roxy. Hello.